Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Hey, it's, uh, it's wonderful to be with you this morning. Like Matt said, if we haven't met, my name's Stanley. Privilege to uh, just you know share for a little bit as we uh, conclude our series and journey through James. So uh, um, over the last eight weeks, we've been kind of journeying through James, uh, and today is our final conclusion. Anyone been enjoying the journey? Yeah. It's been good. Day. Hey, by the way, welcome if you are online with us again. Uh, and just a little note that because of the Church on the Lawn next Sunday, we won't be doing church online. Uh, so if you're looking for us next Sunday, you won't find us, okay? So for Sunday after. Hey. It's just on the lawn. It's just over there. So just a few steps uh, that way. So you can come. Even if you're watching from Australia, get tickets. Hey, but it is a real privilege to uh, just to kind of wrap us up in this series on James. Um, uh, if you have been with us uh, for this journey, uh, you know, trust that you have obviously enjoyed it. If you haven't, then I really would encourage you to, uh, you know, to grab a hold of the podcast, have a listen, or watch through YouTube or whatever, just to kind of to journey uh, back through through James. If you were with us, I'm sure that you'll remember everything that uh, that we. That we talked about, eh? You know, Matt kicked us off talking about trials and temptations from James ones, then jumping into listening and doing the, the following week. Uh, I talked about uh, favoritism and faith. Uh, Jacinda talked about taming the tongue that we're all experts at. Hey, <laughs> you know, James is so good for this this real gritty sort of stuff that uh, no matter where we are on our journey of faith, there's, there's good challenge to it, right? There's good reminders throughout the book of James. It's found within the New Testament. You're just of this, this stuff that's so important to our journey of faith, important that we take note of it, that we remind ourselves about it, that we take the challenge to heart so that we may live differently, Right? Uh, uh, Matt jumped back in talking about wisdom from above. Caitlin told us to get serious. You may remember that uh, from James 4. Uh, and then some more wisdom uh, last week, uh, looking at the first part of James 5. And so here we are, about to launch into the last little section of James 5, verses 13 through to 20. And uh, uh, James, this, this pastor, this leader uh, of the early church in Jerusalem, he sticks with the kind of theme that he's been uh, going with throughout the, throughout the book, and he gets pretty practical with us. Today is all about his encouragement to us to prioritize prayer. To prioritize prayer. So if you're here, or indeed with us online, if you have ever prayed, if you have ever wanted to pray, if you've ever had any trouble within your life, ever, ever had any challenge in your life? Anyone? <laughs> I think that's a pretty broad brushstroke. Should include everyone in the room, everyone online with us, right? Then this is for you. 
This is for us to take on board, to listen to James's encouragement to us to prioritize prayer. And to be honest with you, it's got some, it's got some good juicy bits in it. I think it would be appropriate that we pray before we jump in, eh? Father, we are so grateful. Man, we're so grateful for um, our time together already, just the, the opportunity to connect with you through worship and to come back to orientate our lives again afresh. And as we open up your word, we pray again, God, that you would speak to us afresh. Whether this may be a new topic to us or something that we have heard for decades, God, bring your fresh touch. Capture our hearts again with this invitation that you have given to us to be able to connect with you in deep, intimate, personal prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, as we talk around your word in Jesus' name. What I want to do uh, this morning for Can is just to do a little bit of a, a bit of a slow reading uh, through these, these verses in James. And then I want to pull out kind of a few key encouragements to do with prayer uh, that James has for us within these verses, all right? Sound like a plan? Plan, Stan? Yeah, okay. Good one. <laughs> I make my own jokes. <laughs> Verse 13. Oh, hello. Sorry, Daryl. Is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Here, James, all right? So in a little bit of contrast to other New Testament letters of this sort of nature, he goes into a bit more detail, fleshes out this final encouragement to pray. Others reference praying, but, praying, but, but James fleshes this out. He starts with this contrast. Anyone in trouble? Our message version puts it like this. Anyone hurting? Or the New Living Translation, suffering hardships. The idea of this, this being in this place of challenge to some area of our lives of, of faith. If you find yourself in that place, pray. And, and it, it's keeping right in sync with where he started us off in the journey of this book of James. In verse 2 of James 1, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And, and, and interestingly within there, it doesn't seem that it's necessarily to pray that the problem goes away. That if you take in theme what's been happening through James, as you go through trials, as you go through challenges, as you go through troubles, that we, we may maintain this godly character, that we may stand firm and the invitation of God to live life differently, that we would pray through those troubles. And then, of course, in the contrast, is anyone happy? This inner contentment. Sing songs of praise. Sing your prayers. Express gratitude to God in those moments as well. And he carries on. Uh, fleshes us out a little bit more. Verse 14. Is any among you sick? 
Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. It's an interesting verse, eh? That they would anoint them. Now, I'd, I'd love to uh, go into this a little bit more, but we, for the sake of time, we don't, uh, which we don't have, I won't. Um, but it's fascinating to look into this, this, this physical anointing with oil that we see, you know, both through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. Only a couple of times in the New Testament when it's related to healing, but nonetheless, like Jacinda was talking about for us next Sunday, making the joke about Sacrament Sunday. You know, within our lives of faith, we have these physical symbols that we use to represent something very spiritual that's going on, right? So with communion, the bread and the juice, with baptisms, the going under the water, there's nothing necessarily, you know, special as such with the bread and the juice or the water in the pool, or in this case, the, the, the oil that's in the jar, but there is something significant in what's represented by those things. And so he's encouraging us to, to use that as a symbol of the anointing of the Holy Spirit to bring healing into people's lives. And the only little caveat to that is that plenty of other times within Scripture we see miraculous healing taking place without the use of anointing oil. So we don't need to kind of, you know, get ourselves in a box or that's the way that it has to happen. No, Jesus prayed for, prayed for plenty of people without anointing oil and saw the miraculous healing of God. But yet it doesn't take away from the, the symbolism that can be used in moments like that to invite the Holy Spirit to come, to fill. And the elders... The elders are referenced within this verse. We can't kind of go past that. You know, technically speaking, if you're asking that question here at Coast Vineyard, well, who are those people? Well, we would technically um, go to our Coast Oversight team. So that's Steve Plummer, Craig Young, Matt Jacinda, uh, Rach and myself. Uh, but, but more broadly than that, really, it's an invitation to, to church leadership. So representing that there is something within that role. So it might be a group leader or a team leader. Someone that's been put in that position, invite them to come and to pray. Don't do it alone. Invite them to come and stand with you and pray. So here at Coast, we're happy to do that. In fact, we've even got some oil down here. And today, if you would like someone to anoint you with oil, boom, we'd love to do that. We would. Seriously, we would. We'd love to anoint you with oil to symbolize the Holy Spirit coming. Told you it would be a slow reading, right? <laughs> Verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This holistic invitation to healing and forgiveness within our lives. That there is something in the forgiving of sins within our lives. Those, those areas in our lives where we fall short of the standard of God and it's good to be honest about those things. There is something in bringing those either to others or to God himself 
and experiencing his forgiveness that leads us towards healing, wholeness, freedom. If you've never experienced that, can I just encourage you to give it a whirl? <laughs> like, honestly, you will talk to multiple people in the room this morning who have asked them, what was it like to experience the forgiveness of God for the first time? Wow. To not need to walk through life with that sense of guilt over your world. It's an amazing gift. Now there's a bit of a big topic that comes up in these verses. And I want to, I actually want to circle back to it uh, in a little bit. Carry on for now. Sorry. <laughs> Verse 17. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Mm, okay. <laughs> Some versions say, just like us. Yeah, okay. Um, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. This encouragement for us to step into the power of prayer. Using the example of Elijah, who's this personality within the Old Testament, if you are unfamiliar, he, he saw him step into the power of prayer and see this miraculous kind of turn of events take place. And then this brings us to the, the final couple of verses in James. And he, he switches focus a little bit. And in typical sort of James style, he keeps it action-orientated, where other, uh, other New Testament writers might finish with some sort of kind greeting. <laughs> James says this, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. At the end of the day, all this instruction that James has given us on how to step into the life that God has for us is to be replicated in the lives of others so that they too may be able to step into that very same life. James brings us back to what it's all about, about others, <laughs> about helping others to walk into that life as well. Towards persevering through trials too living in God's wisdom, to taming the tongues, you know, the various topics that we've talked about over these weeks about praying, discipling others into the same way of living. James 5, 13 through to 20, that's where he sums up and finishes this, this awesome little Nuggety book, this, this Proverbs of the New Testament, so to speak. So I just want to pull out three 
encouragements along this idea of prioritizing prayer that I think James gives. It's not, it's not rocket science this morning, you know? But yet for each and every one of us, whether you are brand new to faith, you're exploring faith, you've been a Christian for decades, stepping into prioritizing prayer is just is so important for us. Because otherwise we just sort of slip into this, just doing life on our own, you know? No, 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 no. Prayer is that opportunity for us to come back, to remember, I, I, I've got help here. <laughs> All right. So I think the first and probably most obvious thing that James is encouraging us here to do with prioritizing prayer is to initiate prayer. Actually, start the thing. <laughs> start doing it. Tom Wright. I couldn't do a message without referencing Tom uh, N.T. Wright. Heaven and earth meet when, in the Spirit, someone calls on the name of the Lord. The person praying stands with one foot in the place of trouble, sickness, and sin, and with the other foot in the place of healing, forgiveness, and hope. Prayer then brings the latter to bear on the former. Prayer. I mean, Jesus himself encouraged us to pray, didn't he, in Luke 11. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a joining together of the kingdom of God, heaven to earth. Wanting to see the, the way that life is in the kingdom of God with its freedom and, and ultimate fulfillment in life itself coming to bear with us here on earth. And basically James is just saying, pray. <laughs> if you want to see that happen, pray. If you're in trouble, pray. If you're sick, pray. If you're happy and in a good space, pray. <laughs> Pray with song. Ask others to pray with you. Pray with understanding. Pray asking the kingdom of God to come and invade this earth. Pretty straightforward, eh? <laughs> but there's a big juicy bit that I mentioned. And... Uh, and I actually think that it's worthwhile just spending a moment just, just talking about and acknowledging. So in verse 15, where it says, The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And this is something that the church has actually wrestled with for centuries. So I'm not going um, you know, to propose to kind of you know, end the discussion in the next few moments. But the big question that comes out of a verse like this, and there are others like it within the New Testament and reference, reference from the Old, the question is this, is our healing, if done right, if prayed correctly with enough faith, guaranteed this side of eternity? Let me ask that juicy historical you know, church kind of wrestled with this through the centuries question again. If our healing, sorry, is our healing, if done right, if prayed correctly with enough faith, guaranteed the side of eternity? Hands up. No, 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 no. 
James here seems to offer emphatically that a prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. So if I have enough faith, or if the person praying for me has enough faith, can I always be healed? Now, if you are facing a cold or some sort of mild ailment, this might be a a relatively inconsequential sort of question. But if you or a loved one of yours is facing a a life-threatening disease that's imminent, you better believe that that's a very real question. If you've been around Christianity for a little while, you might have heard the church kind of interpret the answer to that question in a couple of different extremes. I want to talk pendulum swings just for a second, all right? So on the one pendulum swing, you have what's called the cessationist view, right? Cessationism. So look, put really simply, what that is, what that, someone who lands on that way of thinking is interpreting it as is that the gifts of God, supernaturally speaking, stopped at the end of the apostolic age. And they regard the apostolic age as being the age where the original disciples lived. So when the original disciples died, so too did those gifts of healing, of prophecy, of speaking in tongues, and so forth. And so they would interpret a verse like that found in James as being, well, that was for the time. Okay, so that's one end of the, uh, there's a lot more to it, but a simplistic view of that is that. On the other, pendulum swing, all right, might be regarded as a triumphalist approach or triumphalism theology that people would uh, embrace. And here, it's that because of the victory that we have in Christ, if we are living right in our faith, we should always be living in that same victory. And if not, it's probably due to a lack of faith in some regard within that, our lives. So taken to the extremes, you know, those, those are the two pendulums that we see. And it's where, when we talk, particularly within the Vineyard Church, but, but many other churches as well, when we talk about the, the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God, it's where this sort of stuff is so helpful for our understanding and our journeys of faith. So the now of the kingdom, that through Christ, the kingdom of God has broken in to our present day realities, our present day worlds. And therefore, then we have access into relationship with God. We have access into the miraculous, into the supernatural, praying thy kingdom come. We, we can step into the now of the kingdom. When Jesus came, he inaugurated, he started the kingdom of God being present here on earth, all right? But then also the not yet. 
that Christ will one day come again to fully consummate God's kingdom, that there will be a full merging together of heaven on earth and a reflection of all that we know about heaven that is good. No more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. That at some point that that kingdom will be fully consummated here on earth. But that where we are is somewhere in between. Between the, the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Uh, the Vineyard USA website, it, it summarizes it this way. It says, while the kingdom of God was breaking into the world through Jesus, all human suffering, pain, and difficulty did not disappear. In fact, it still remains with us to this day. For Jesus, while the kingdom of God was happening in the present, it was also yet to come in all its fullness in the future. So even within Scripture, and, and when you see a verse like this, it's good to, do, it's good to um, interpret Scripture with Scripture. So in this particular example, what I mean by that is looking at the, at the whole scripture to see if there are other examples where we see this tension that, that exists, we feel like it exists for us here today, right? But even Paul, the great apostle, you know, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, where he had this thorn in the flesh that he desperately asked God to remove, but for whatever reason, it wasn't removed, Near the end of Paul's life, uh, 2 Timothy 4 verse 20, he was imprisoned in Rome and he wanted, to, uh, wanted a man uh, named Trophimus to come with him, but he had to leave him behind because he was sick and he couldn't get healed. Or uh, as he's encouraging Timothy to look after himself in 1 Timothy 5, he's, he acknowledges Timothy's frequent illnesses without saying something along the lines of just stir up more faith and you'll get yourself sorted, Timothy. Now please hear me right. I, I am not proposing for cynicism or uh, some sort of God can't heal us today. No way. I'm just trying to equip you with some wisdom that when you face situations like that, it doesn't cause you to go off track in your faith. It doesn't send you down a spiral of, well, is God still good? Is God still... Yes, this, this is about an invitation to a God who is not a God of a slot machine, who is not a God of a, a drink dispenser. If you put the right coins in, you'll get the right thing that you want out. No, our God is bigger and broader and more loving than that. He is more mysterious and kind and gracious Look, I remember the first time that I ever uh, experienced firsthand the healing power of God. I was, uh, I think, in my late teens. Uh, there was a, a girl that we were with that uh, was really sick. She had no voice. 
Uh, she'd lost it. She'd just full of something. A few of us gathered around and prayed, lay hands on her, like the Bible encourages us to do. And, and there was just this particular moment as we were praying for us, man, she's healed. And then a few moments later, she, she began singing. She was completely healed. I, I, I've seen... Uh, I've seen ears be restored, hearing significantly improved in a moment because of the power of God. I've seen hips realigned and legs grow. Uh, I've I've seen the healing power of God. I've seen the kingdom of God breaking into our present reality here on earth. If you tell me that the gifts and the, the Holy Spirit doesn't heal today, no way do I buy that. Yet I've also experienced the not yet, as many in the room I'm sure have as well. Where, where with my own personal grief and tragedy, where, where I've seen others full of faith who did all the right things who were surrounded by a community who believed, who fasted and prayed, yet didn't receive that healing as we had hoped for, they had hoped for, and passed away. The not yet of the kingdom. The invitation for us is to pray. Not to have to have all the academic answers as to why or why not, but to pray and believe and leave that next bit up to God. The now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Initiate prayer. How's that going for you? <laughs> In your own personal world, you know, have you got a, a rhythm that's established for praying, exploring different ways of praying? There are, there are umpteen different ways that you can engage and connect with God through prayer. Explore them. Develop them. If you've never prayed, give it a go, you mug. What is there to lose? Let's pray that the kingdom of God would break in to those moments. Prayer, believing for God's intervention, calling others to pray with us, being anointed with the oil of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Initiate prayer. Second encouragement. quite similar to the first one actually it's keep praying <laughs> once you've initiated prayer just keep going keep at it um, verses 17 and 18 uh, James uses this example of Elijah praying right and, uh, and one of the interesting things that's in these in these verses in the, the story of Elijah as you read it in uh, 1 Kings 17 and 18 is this pretty cool showdown right that happens between uh, God and the, uh, the, the prophets of Baal 450 prophets of Baal and 
God wins, yeah. Um, but the reference that James, make is to, James makes in here is to the rain. And what's interesting in that process is that it doesn't happen straight away. That when Elijah prays to see the rain come back, he, he sends his servant out seven times to check if it's raining yet. So he's praying, he's praying, he's praying. Send the servant out. Is it praying? Mm, no, Elijah, no. Comes back. Pray again seven times. And then on the seventh time, those of you who know the story, he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. So keep praying, and maybe that answer just is a little glimmer, a little glimmer of the answer that you're needing or wanting. Keep praying. Last weekend, uh, again, um, I think Matt, uh, you know, Sullivan Weston was born. Sully. I tell you what, he is an answer to this keep praying sort of prayer. The story behind that boy and his brother Dusty are just amazing in terms of the faithfulness, the, the courage to continue to pray. All right, I know I need to keep moving. Let's, let's move on. Third encouragement that James gives us in these verses. Initiate prayer, keep praying, and finally make it about others. And other letters within the New Testament, the writers will often end with some sort of greeting like I mentioned, but here James encourages us to bring it back to what it's all about. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sin. Again, it's not an academic exercise that we're looking for here, but a heartfelt response and plea to encourage someone back into that journey of faith with God, back on track with God. Back to this life of authentic living that James has been talking to us about through this book. End of the day, that's what we're here for, eh? We're here to invite others to experience God for themselves. And maybe you're here because a friend has invited you along to church. Maybe you're here because you're exploring what a life with God would look like. It's just all part of this process. We've all been there, right? To invite others in, to know real hope for themselves, experience forgiveness and freedom from guilt and shame, to step into that life of the supernatural. It's a, it's a fitting conclusion, isn't it, for James? This, this call to action, this call to live out our lives of faith, looking towards others. For, for James, in these last few verses of the book, his encouragement to us is to prioritize prayer. Initiate it, keep at it, make it about others. And if we as a community, if we as individuals would do that, if we'd look for those rhythms and ways of prioritizing prayer in our own lives and corporately with others. Uh, for example, this morning we just had, a, a, you know, there's a pre-service prayer meeting that happens. That's an example of something that you could step into, 9.30 in the drama room. But obviously much broader than that, you know, just these lives of prayer, of connecting with God. 
if we all stepped into that, imagine what's possible. Imagine what breaking in of the kingdom of God could happen as we pray and believe for God's supernatural hand and touch to be upon people's lives, upon our own lives. Prioritize prayer. Dean, uh, can I just ask you guys to come and join me back up on stage? I, I reckon it would be good to, to do this, right? <laughs> you can't really sort of talk about something like this and then not give some space for uh, praying. And I think, I think what we might do is have a little bit of a multitask moment, if we can. Uh, Dean, I don't know if you've got a particular song in mind that you wanted to maybe like um, come to the altar or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, good, we were just thinking the same thing, yeah. Um, you got that lyrics as well, yeah. Um, so we've got a few minutes, right? So what I think would be cool for us to do is to, um, to create some space for you to pray. And so you may be here very conscious of some trouble um, within your life. Uh, just as we were worshipping together, um, and uh, I know that Jacinda uh, talked about that scripture with seeing the, the bones coming to life. Just in a similar way, I had that picture of, um, of down at the beach, you know, that, that classic scene of uh, at low tide, you've got a whole lot of footprints, you know, the, uh, the beach looks pretty, pretty messed up. Uh, and then the tide comes in, goes back out, and you have this fresh, pristine uh, sort of looking beach. I got that sense of God's invitation. Those of us, some of, uh, some of us are looking at our lives that are bumpy, and he's wanting to make them smooth. He's wanting to smooth out those, those bumps. He's wanting to come and create peace and calm where there is turmoil at the moment. But maybe there is some sort of trouble that you are facing right at the moment. And I don't mean that you're in trouble, you know, with your spouse or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I mean that you're just facing some sort of challenge. I want, to step, I want to encourage you to step in and pray. Maybe you're in a great place, like James encourages us, to sing. Sing our prayers. We're going to have song going on. Or maybe you want someone to stand with you and anoint you with oil or come and pray for you because you're sick. Or because that trouble that you are facing, you want somebody else to stand with you and join on your behalf to see the kingdom of God break in. We would love to be able to do that, right? So can we do a, embrace a bit of a multitask moment? Would you stand to your feet with me? So you're probably about to hear some people start to pray out loud around you, all right? They may pray loud, and if you want to pray, I'd encourage you to pray loud. They may pray quiet. What's on the outside is not the important bit, right? You may hear some other people around you singing out in their gratitude and their, their heartfelt thanks to God. You may see some people come out of their seat because they want someone to stand with them. I want to encourage you not to focus on that but to focus on the invitation that is there for you from God. Lord, we just invite you into this moment right now. 
Lord, we don't pretend to understand the ins and the outs, the, the yeses and the noes, the, the answers and the non-answers, but what we do proclaim to do is to pray and believe. To ask that your kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven. So Lord, corporately, together as a community, we choose to lift our voices, to lift our faith, to believe together, to step into that place of intimacy with you through that beautiful gift of prayer. Would you just begin to lift your voices if you want to pray, if you want to sing, if you want to come forward? Let's step into it, team. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whanau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day. Be blessed.